The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Uh, in Acts chapter 26, I mean, how many of you tonight, you're familiar of the Apostle Paul? Uh, the Apostle Paul, he was uh, Saul before he was ever Paul. And I won't get into the very beginning of his life, but just in short, uh, he was a wretched man, uh, as he put it himself. He was the chief, chiefest of sinners, uh, as he put it himself. Uh, he was somebody that was a persecutor of the Christian church. He was somebody uh, who looked and was zealous, that he said he was zealous about it, uh, going about persecuting the Christian church. And by the way, in his own mind, thought that he was doing a good service to the Lord. Uh, these people that were Jesus lovers, that were uh, of this false prophet that they called Jesus, uh, he, he was somebody that felt like he was doing a service to God and his community and his people because he was a Hebrew and a Roman. And he said, you know what, I, I'm going to do a service to these people by persecuting the church and persecuting these people and having them killed. I mean, from the time he was born, uh, he saw Stephen stoned, right? Uh, he saw a lot of uh, graphic things in his life, but he, it caused him from the time of his youth all the way up until he gets to the road to Damascus, he was what he called himself the chiefest of sinners. So uh, Paul, he gets on the road to Damascus. God smacks him upside the head, basically, and says, hey, wake up. Why persecute Sal me? Why kicks against, kick against the pricks? Uh, he says, you know, Lord blinds him. And then, but really, it's funny, as he ironically blinds him, really ends up opening his eyes. Uh, and he gets saved, and we know that, man, what a life that was changed. You talk about a life of 180 <laughs> turned around for God. Uh, it's the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's got a whole new name, and uh, I'm glad that what God does with lives. I'm glad that an 8-year-old boy, that he saved me, that he turned my life around, even though at times I had backslidden. Uh, God's always in the restoration business, and I'm glad that uh, because of him, my life uh, was completely turned around, 180. And that's what it, uh, being saved and and having Christ in your life does. And so uh, the Apostle Paul, he goes on many journeys, and he goes on missionary journeys. And if you read the book of Acts, you're going to find many times Paul doing the right things, but having the worst of circumstances happen to him. Uh, He has all different kinds of things happen to him. And and not to get into all of them, but uh, the chapter 26, which is backing up to what we're going to talk about in 27. And in Acts 26, he is wrongly convicted of something which as most of the times he's been in prison, he was wrongly convicted and imprisoned for two years. Did nothing wrong. I had told the, in chapel, when we had preached a message on, after, on chapter 26, I talked about uh, there was a man, I forgot his name just for sake of illustration, but there was a man in Tennessee that was wrongly convicted of a murder uh, for 31 years. Uh, 31 years in prison, wrongly convicted and set free. He was like, oh, we, we messed up, sorry. 31 years. Uh, that, that's life. I mean, they might as well just, I'd be like, just, I'll just stay in here, you know, what's the point now? And of course, you know, the whole legality of it, he's suing them and saying, I need a million dollars to supply all the money that I lost and all that. But imagine, we're only convicted for 31 years. That's, I mean, Paul, I mean, probably in that span of his life was always wrongly convicted. He, all he was doing was preaching the gospel, telling people about Christ. People didn't like it, so they threw him in prison. They beat him, they scored him. They did horrible things to Paul. And Paul in chapter 26 uh, he's before a politician of that day, and he says, you know what? He says, I'm going to give you the floor, Paul, talk about it. And Paul gives his testimony and uses that part, and I love what he says. He says, I think myself happy. And I'm like, man, out of all the stuff you've been through, you think yourself happy through all that? And he says, you know what? I kind of great joy that now I got the floor. I'm going to talk, and I'm going to tell you my testimony. I'm going to tell you the gospel. And that's what Paul's mindset was the whole time. 
And so at the very end in chapter 26, if you're there, you can look at chapter 26, but if not, you don't have to turn there. But verse 32, the very end, then say Agrippa, this is the man that he was talking in front of, uh, unto Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. And so they basically, and, 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 and this uh, man here also said, you know what, Paul, thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. Just from all the stuff here, you almost persuadest me. But then we get to the end, and even after all that, even after his testimony, even though they have no grounds of which to hold him, they still say, you know, he's got to go to Caesar. We've we got to send them off. So they basically take him. He's a prisoner. And they said, we've got to send them to Rome. And that's what brings us to chapter 27 and verse 1. And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto, the, uh, unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And so now they're sending Paul away. Now, Paul always desired to go to Rome. He always had this plan. Uh, did he want to go there not as a prisoner? I, I guarantee it. He did not think he would go there as a prisoner, uh, but God always has different ways of bringing us to our destination. So Paul, he's a prisoner because in Acts chapter 19, he says, hey, uh, I'm, I, I must, after Jerusalem, I must need to go to Rome. And now he's going to Rome, but He's going as a prisoner, so he's getting there one way or the other, but he's, he, uh, he's going to get the job done. So he goes there, and he has other fellow uh, f- uh, prisoners, and they, they put a, a, a Roman army or, or officer in front of him named Julius. Now, Julius was a very courteous or very courteous to Paul. Uh, we'll look at in a minute how he was, and the Bible even says that he was, but Julius, you know, some believe maybe he was in that courtroom, and he heard Paul's testimony, and maybe it softened his heart a little bit for Paul. Uh, but he was very kind to Paul. Even though they weren't supposed to be to prisoners, uh, he let Paul uh, do a lot of things. Now, I'm going to name a lot of cities in a moment and a lot of different things. Please, if I butcher them, don't make, you can laugh or whatever. But, you know, I'm that person. I need a dictionary thing and push that little speaker button on there. And I have to push it and I have to listen to it like 100 times and then try and memorize it. And I still get it wrong. Uh, but I'm gonna, we're going to list some different things. But I'm going to walk you through this. And as I do it, uh, Brother Bill, if you want, you don't have to worry about putting on the screen the, uh, uh, all the, the verses. But could you put that map up there? I want to, this is, it's not going to be a Bible study tonight, but it is a little bit. Uh, you probably can't read half of that, and that's fine, but I'm going to lead you uh, in some direction. This is the journey, Paul's fourth missionary journey, which we're going to read about tonight. And uh, I'm going to go somewhere, just listen, just pay attention. I promise you, I'll get you out of here, right? Uh, but in verse number two, after he sends them off, and they tell him that he's uh, Julius, the centurion of Augustus, uh, he's over them, and entering into a ship of Adramidium, we launched meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. And so if you look here, you can keep it up, Brother Bill, just leave it for the most time being. Uh, You see here, they're starting on this bottom right. And uh, this is the start of his journey. So they're going along the coast of Asia. And uh, now they have to get to Italy. Italy is on the opposite side. Now, right here, it would make sense, and I don't know if you can see it, but right where that very first dot is, they could basically just go all the way across and then shoot up. And that would be the most logical sense of going to Italy, right? Would you not? Uh, going to Rome. That would be the most logical way. Uh, but we're going to look at something why they had to go up and they had a couple of detours. Uh, verse number three, uh, or verse number two, I'm sorry. Entering to a ship of, of uh, Andromedium, we launched meaning to sail across, uh, to the coast of, uh, by the coast of Asia. And one Arist- uh, Aristarchus, uh, a Mace- uh, Macedonian of the Thessal- Thessalonica, uh, being with us. And verse three, and then the next day we touched Sidon. So he's going up uh, to Sidon. 
And they're going up the coast here. And Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends. What kind of guard does that? It's like letting a prisoner out. Hey, why don't you go see your family? Say bye, get a shower, get some, get some cheesecake, you know, get a cheesesteak, all that kind of stuff. And they come back. I mean, that's a really nice, courteous guard, right? He says, hey, Paul, we're going to stop here. Go see your families and friends. And then uh, we'll get back, you know, meet me back here at 1 o'clock. I mean, that's, that's a really nice a guard, would you not? I mean, imagine they let the prisoners do that. Hey, you want to go see your family for a bit? Yeah, I know you murdered a few people, but go ahead. Just go. It's fine. Just go out and make sure you come back. But you see, obviously, we know Paul wasn't wrong. He was just wrongly convicted, and so he trusted Paul. And so Paul, he meets with his friends. He kind of, I guess, I would imagine he freshened up, got that favorite meal he wanted, whatever. And then they're on their way. Verse number uh, four, and when they had launched from thence, uh, he, we sailed under Cyprus, which the winds were contrary. So here's what I'm talking about. So it would be logically make sense if they started here and just shot straight across. That's what my mind goes to. But instead, because the winds were contrary, they had to travel up. They had to go against it because contrary means it's opposing, right? It's, it's going against the grain. And because it was so contrary and dangerous, he basically, like, we can't go this way. We're going to have to take a little detour. How many of you like detours? Of course. Uh, nobody likes detours. If you live in Jersey, see, in Jersey, there's detours everywhere. I bet you one time day you hit a detour. And not because, it doesn't have an orange sign that says detour. They're called jug handles. That's what I call detours. Every single day of my life when I drive in New Jersey, (laughs) they're not jug handles. They're called detours. If I have to go five minutes this way to go across the street, uh, that's a detour to me. And so nobody in here likes detours. Uh, But Paul and his his band and his prisoners, and by the way, the amount of prisoners that were here, we'll look at the number in a minute, but 200, uh, I believe 276 passengers. I mean, he's got a lot of fellow prisoners with them. And uh, they're going off, and they're going on a detour, and they're going uh, down. Verse number uh, 5, and when he had sailed over the sea, um, um, the Bible talks about it in verse number 5, and when he had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, again, I'm butchering some of these, uh, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And when the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, uh, and he put us thereon. So basically, they're on a smaller ship. They got on a bigger ship, and this ship, this ship was going to Italy, and it was bringing grain. It was bringing, uh, this, this ship was uh, really uh, important to Rome because it was their granary. It was, uh, it was important to hop on this ship because uh, they were bringing their supply of grain to that region. And so this ship was very large. It even had, some of them had uh, kind of ship, little smaller ships hanging on the back end of it. And so they would travel. And uh, so this ship, they all hop on, all 276 of them, plus uh, the workers, plus, again, this thing is full of grain and supplies to bring to Rome. And uh, the verse number six, uh, or verse number seven, and when he had sailed slowly many days and scarce were come over uh, over against uh, uh, Nidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmon. So what happens is, again, they have a contrary wind. They have to take a detour. Now they're going over Cyprus. They're going all the way down. And now, you see, they're trying to get back down south. They're trying to cut over across, but the wind is contrary up there now. And it's causing them problems. And how many of you like problems? No one likes problems, right? And so now the problems are causing them to go south again. And the Bible says that they go slowly and, and scarce. They're, they're trying to be careful. Just go from one checkpoint to another checkpoint to another checkpoint. Uh, I had a car one time in college. I mean, they call them college cars. And right away, when I say a college car, you know that thing has got problems. Uh, my buddy and I, we split. We gave, I put 200 up. He put 200 up. We bought this really old Ford 19-whatever uh, Taurus. I mean, this thing, I was surprised we drive it off the ladies, park, the ladies' lot. 
but we bought it, and I remember one time just overheating, and I had to put a, a gal- five gallons of water in the radiator, and then I'm going like a mile down the road, checkpoint. I go in the gas station, fill it up, radiator cap, and just from time to time, like checkpoint to checkpoint to checkpoint to checkpoint, finally I got to the college and, and all that stuff, and that was just wonderful college life. But I can imagine uh, they didn't have a radiator problem, but they had a wind problem. Uh, they had a problem where they had to just slowly, because of winds, they were going here, they were going there. They're definitely way off track than what they wanted to go. This wasn't supposed to be, you know, you ever have those journeys, it's supposed to be X amount of hours and it turns into X amount of days. Uh, this was their problem. And so they're traveling through, they're having these problems. Uh, and verse number uh, seven, as we just said, and when he had sailed slowly many days. And so this wasn't supposed to be a long journey, but it ended up uh, uh, detouring them and, and, and prolonging the process. And verse number eight, and hardly passing it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens. And if you look, Right in the middle, I mean, right where it says Mediterranean Sea, if you can read it, and I apologize if you can't, but basically right above the word Mediterranean Sea, that's where Fairhavens is, right there. And that is the last spot. And the Bible says that they hardly got there. I mean, hardly making it to there. I mean, I think I can. I think I can. I mean, they're, they're trying to get there in one piece. And again, this isn't a small little tugboat. This is a big, large ship. Uh, or at least enough to hold, you know, almost 300 passengers plus grain, plus it's tugging other boats along with it. And the Bible says they get to a place called Fair Havens. And in this part called Fair Havens, uh, they, they make rest there. And the Bible says, and it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh unto where the city of Lycia. Now, verse number nine. Now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. So Paul, he's probably the most spiritual, the most mature one on that boat, even though those men were skilled, could drive a boat, could, you know, have done that trip many times, have done that, uh, that journey, that voyage many different times. Paul, the, probably the most spiritual one there, uh, gets up because he knows that the fast, the Day of Atonement, it's over. And when that's over, that's like the September, October, that, that, that's bad weather season. And so he knows that Yes, we were facing harsh winds, but the reason is because we're about to enter a very bad season. We all know this past year, 2017, horrible hurricane season, would you not? I mean, August had one, September, uh, uh, some of the times of October. Uh, you understand that that's a time, and this is a little bit of the time frame, and Paul is understanding in his mind, hey, guys, listen, this is a bad time. We should just make home here, just duel out, just get through the winter, and then in the spring we'll just go. And so he gives it, he admonishes them, the Bible says, And the Bible says in verse number 10, and said unto them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage, uh, by by the way, the word it says, uh, and said unto them, sirs, I perceive. That word translated basically says, I have experience. By the way, Paul's been shipwrecked many times up to this point. He's like, listen, I've watched it. I've seen it. I I bought the t-shirt, everything. I don't want to be shipwrecked right now. I'm done with that. Please listen to me, all right? I don't want to be shipwrecked anymore. I don't want to have this problem, and I see it coming. Uh, you know, how many of you, you know, I, you, you learn from mistakes or learn from other people's mistakes, right? I try to do that the best I can, but sometimes mistakes are your best teacher, right? Failure is your best teacher. Uh, but Paul at this point is like, I've already had enough of those lessons. Please, I perceive I'm experiencing this area of shipwrecked. So please, let's, let's, let's not go. Let's make, let's make our town, let's make our tent here, so to speak. Uh, uh, and the Bible says, and perceive that this voyage will be with, will be with much hurt. And much damage, not only of the landing of the ship, but also of our lives. He's like, guys, our lives are in risk if we move here. This is the man of God speaking. This is a, yet, but to others, he's just a prisoner. 
So the Bible says in verse number 11, nevertheless, the centurion, this is Julius, right? Believe the master and the owner of the ship more than those which were spoken by Paul. Now, I'm going to cut Julius some slack here. You know, if I don't really know Paul, don't know who he is, I'm going to trust the guy who owns the boat, right? I'm going to trust the guy who knows his ship. He knows his vehicle. He knows all that. He's been on this voyage many times. I don't blame him, right? Especially all of us, we say, oh, of course I believe Paul. If you didn't know Paul, then you'd probably be the same same as them. Well, let's, let's listen to the guy who's in charge, right? And so they, the, Julius, the centurion, he says, you know what? I believe the master and the owner of the ship more than you, Paul. Sorry. So they had a better plan. Paul's like, listen, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a, a really tough journey. But he says, you know what? I think we'll be okay if we travel 40 miles to this next place. We don't need to go in ferry image. We can go 40 miles this way, and it'll be better. The reason why they weren't uh, very uh, uh, flatter with that place they stopped at, because the Bible says it wasn't commodious. It wasn't convenient. That winter was going to be rough there, and they were, uh, if anything, going to be destroyed, if they, at least that they thought, if they sat there. So verse number 11, nevertheless, the centurion believed that the master and the owner of the ship and, and more than, uh, I'm sorry, uh, more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious, no winter uh, to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain uh, Phoenice and there to, to winter, uh, which is in the haven of Crete and lieth toward the southwest and the northwest. So basically you say, Paul, we love you, bro, but listen, we're going this way. We're going to go to this town. It's only 40 miles. Listen, we, I know it was little by little we we're getting to this place, but don't worry. We're going to get to this place, and, and it's going to be a lot safer. And Paul, he admonishes, he exhorts, but again, he's just a prisoner. So they go on, and look at verse number, uh, verse number 13. The Bible says, and when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they have obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close to Crete. So basically, the Bible says, when the wind blew softly. Now, they had contrary winds. They had bad winds. They had stuff that was probably, as the Bible says, it was hard to pass by. Now that there's a soft wind, the direction they're going, their plan. They're like, oh, see, there's a soft wind. This one's not as bad as the other ones we've had. Like, I wonder if the guy driving the ship, I don't know, how the, whatever the steering wheel, whatever it is, I wonder if he's driving and kind of smirking at Paul. You see? All right, bro. He's got this, all right? You see, there's a harsh wind coming. The Bible says it blew softly. It was this little soft wind. And they, they said they, they felt like their purpose was going to be fulfilled. They were just going to get to that, that place, only 40 miles. Paul, calm down there, brother. It's okay. We're going to get there, all right? I don't know, maybe he smirked at him. Maybe Julius is like, see, you got to listen to the pros. They know what they're talking about, all right? You're getting all crazy. You're, you're worried Wendy or whatever, right? You're, you're acting all crazy. You're acting all uh, nuts. Don't worry about it. We got this under control because it's just a soft wind. It's fine. The Bible says suppose, uh, that the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed on the Crete. But then verse number 14 comes right after 13. What a great place to come by. Uh, but not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eroclodon. Now, tempestuous can be compared, if you were to take the Greek and all that, typhoon. Uh, I don't know how many of you have been part of a typhoon, in a typhoon, but we've experienced hurricanes here and different things, but they're all nasty. Would you agree? They're all pretty bad. And not only that, but you know the storm is bad when it sounds like a dinosaur. Eroclodon. 
I mean, that's a bad storm. I mean, listen, first of all, if they name a storm, they know it's going to be bad. We had a little some showers here. I mean, that wasn't bad enough to name it something, right? Maybe they do, I don't know. But once they get into the cat, you know, category one, two, three, then they start naming it, right, and all that stuff. But, man, they're naming this one, and the Bible's naming it. This isn't a weather association, national society. This is God, uh, right, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, call it a rockladon. It sounds like a dinosaur. I mean, this thing is going to come. And the Bible says it wreaks havoc. I mean, it is just the worst storm you could possibly think of. You could put typhoons and tornadoes and hurricanes together. This is what it is. And the Bible says they, they started, it, it was so bad, and we're going to get to it, that they just basically had to let it drive. They couldn't steer. Look what it says, verse number 15. And when the ship was caught, it was caught up in it and could not bear it into the wind, we let her drive. Right? You say, what's her? Well, that's the ship, right? We call our ships, right? We call cars, you say her, right? This, this is my girl. <laughs> this is whatever. Like that. We, uh, guys, we always call our car, cars girl names, right? Or uh, boats and stuff like that. So the Bible says they let her drive. They just let go of the steering wheel. Like, we can't control it. The winds are too bad. It's going to be too dangerous if I start trying to steer us in the, wrong, in the right direction. So the Bible says they let it drive. Verse 16, and running under, the, and running under uh, a certain island, which is called uh, Cloud, uh, Clouda, uh, we had much work to come by the boat. And verse number 17, when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake, uh, strake sail, and, were, and, were, and so were driven. And so basically, they're undergirding the ship. And undergirding the ship, basically, they would get chains or ropes, and they would go under and around the boat, basically tying it tight so it wouldn't explode, okay? That's how big these, these, these uh, storms were. I mean, it could tear this boat apart. And by the way, this storm goes on for three days. This wasn't like just one, you know, a few hours span or even a 12-hour span. This is three days. They're in the heart of it. You talk about having a detour. If you look right here, there's actually at one point where they start going south, and they just start going in circles. I mean, it just go, it's just a crazy storm that they're in. And the Bible says in verse number 17 that they undergirded uh, that. They tried tying ropes around it. Uh, they, the first day, they tried uh, undergirding the ship so it, just, it would just keep it together. Uh, and then it says in verse 18, And when we being exceedingly tossed with tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. So what they had to do is, remember, it was full of grain. So they had to lighten the ship, start lighting it. They just started, everybody, get everybody on board, all the prisoners, all the workers, listen, start. I know it's going to cost money, but we've we got to survive this thing. So they start tucking out grain, start tucking out grain. I don't know, maybe the other guys, they start going like this, maybe keep some in their pockets. I don't know what they're going to do. But they're just, they're tossing all the grain out. They're tossing all of it just to lighten the load of the ship. That's day two. Day three, look at what happens here. After they lighten the ship in verse 19, and the third day, we cast out our own hand, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. In other words, basically furniture. <laughs> they start all the furnishing, all the different things. I mean, they're throwing their 48-inch uh, 4K TV out. Uh, they're throwing out all their uh, reclining seats. They're throwing out the Ottomans. They're throwing out everything. I mean, they're just chucking things off board because at this point, they, girded, they undergirded the ship. Uh, they, uh, they made sure everybody helped, and, I mean, there could have been water leaking. Uh, they even says, one commenter even said uh, that tackling, or the, uh, the ship that was tugged behind it, that they were afraid that that ship was going to slam into theirs, so they basically had to loose it. They just had to let it go because otherwise, and there's money on that. There's, there's a lot of wealth, and, I mean, life, there's, there's so much money they're losing, but at this point, money has, money's not an object, right? Uh, when, you're, when you are in trouble, when you are having problems, when there is catastrophic things happening in your life, it doesn't matter, right? You're just 
do whatever, it's survival mode, right? You're just doing whatever you can just to survive, and that's what they're made. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in survival mode, and maybe in a video game, or maybe in a basketball game, but I mean, in life, if you ever get into that mode, I mean, your adrenaline kicks in, and you're just doing whatever it is, by all means, survive, right? And so there, I can imagine, you know, all those prisoners got along with that centurion, and they're all, again, tossing out grain, furniture, doing whatever they can to make sure that they survive. But look at this. Verse number 20, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared. This is how bad the storm was. They couldn't even see the sky. They couldn't see the stars for three days. They couldn't see the sun, the moon. They have no idea what time of the day it is because that's how bad the storm is. And when they neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Now, have you ever been in a point in your life, but they're at a point where they're saying, there's no hope. We've done all we physically possibly could do. But the Bible says when they looked up and they saw for many days that there's no stars, no sun, I mean, all the furniture's gone. All the, I would imagine all the grain is gone. I imagine the guys, they're getting tired trying to keep the ship undergirded, trying to keep it together. And meanwhile, it's just they're getting pounded and pounded and pounded with this wind. And with this rain and with the storm. But yet, out of all of it, they just probably threw up their hands and say, you know what? All hope is lost. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if anybody. I've, I don't, maybe sometimes in my life I thought I've been there in certain situations where I just kind of throw your hands up, right? Like, all hope is lost. We're done. Now, Paul, through this whole time, from the time he admonished them in the beginning, and they chose not to listen to him, now he speaks up. The Bible says in verse 20, and we're going somewhere, and I promise you we're going to be done. Long introduction, short points. Verse number 20, or verse number 21, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete. He's like, we should have stayed put where I told you to stay put and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you, again, I exhort you to be of good cheer for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, who, uh, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all, given thee all them that sail with me. He says, all the prisoners that are with you, everybody that's with you, even though you didn't listen to me the first time, even though you should have. Now, how many, you know, you had that parent, me, that said that, you know, you should have listened to me, right? And then it kills your pride, and you're like, all right, you were right. You know, if we're, I heard someone today, you know, if I admit that you're right, that means we're both wrong or something like that. I don't, there's some joke about that. But, uh, you know, you ever have that part, right? You ever have, uh, you know, that time where it's the I told you so. The person that, you know, you know, we say in Philadelphia, feeling salty, right? You know, feeling, you know, stupid about it, you know. Uh, you don't feel good about it. And I can imagine at this point that they're, they're past their feelings. They just want to survive. But Paul's saying, listen, you should have listened to me, but... I'm going to exhort you, you're all going to live. You're all going to survive. And you're all going to be okay. Now, I can imagine everybody running. You ever seen crazy people scream and run and go crazy? And it's like, you grab them, stop, right? What are you doing? You know, I can imagine they're all going uh, crazy. There's fires being set. Some guys are holding stuff. People are tossing out green. Uh, Guys are doing all different kinds of stuff. Meanwhile, Paul is just like, you know, they're all going around him, screaming, running around. He walks up in the middle and goes, okay, stop, (laughs) you know? Meanwhile, the wind's blowing, everything is coming about, and he says, listen, you should have listened to me, but angel Lord came to me last night, you know what he said? He's like, you're all going to be okay. I can imagine, they're like, that's it? We're going to be okay? 
Wow, don't you, you can't see the sun, you can't see the stars. You even know what day it is? We're in the middle of a sea. We don't even know where we're at. We're probably drifting somewhere. They're all going crazy. But you see, here's the key to Paul's faith, his calmness. And this is something that all of us, even myself, look at verse number 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told of me. So out of all this storm, out of all these different things, he says, here's, here's the key. Here's the crux of it. Here is where Paul's strength lies. It's not in his own. He says, God came to me. He told me it's going to be okay. So you know what? Like the kids sung this morning, I believe God. I believe God. See, I don't know. We're all in different storms in life. You know, there's three different kinds of storms that were here. One was the Bible talks about, and some of them, again, I'll be out of order, but contrary, right, opposing. Uh, A soft wind where it's still a wind and it's still on you and it's still bothersome and it's still pain in the neck, but it's it's a soft wind. But then there's that tempestuous one. There's that typhoon one. There's that one that just shakes your world. And all of us are going to go through storms, every single one of us. And really, if I can just leave you with a couple points tonight, is that first of all, number one, that Storms are inevitable. They're inevitable. They're going to happen. My pastor at Maranatha always used to say it, still says it. It rains on everybody. And it's something that all of us, you can't shake it. You can't avoid it. Those men try to avoid it. Those men try to say, well, let's go this way and we'll get around it. They've done it two or three times in their whole voyage, but they still couldn't get around it. It's going to happen. Storms are inevitable. Storms are going to happen in our lives. But a lot of them, if we can be honest, some of them are self-inflicted, right? Some of these storms we allow. We drive right into them. Uh, we're, we, what did Paul do? Hey, guys, we shouldn't go this way. Uh, we're not going to listen to him. Let's just go. It's self-inflicted. But then some, I believe, are ordained. God says, I'm planning this storm to enter your life for a cause and a purpose. The storms are inevitable, but then number two, again, I told you, short, long introduction, short points. Number two, storms are purposeful. Storms are purposeful. They're purposeful. God never does anything without a purpose. We understand that, right? Christianity 101, God does not do anything uh, without a purpose. It's always on purpose. You say, well, what about, you know, the storm? Okay, storms, what? April showers bring May Flowers, right? Without the storm, without the rain, we're not going to have the beauty of nature. We're not going to have the beauty of the flowers, the beauty of spring. We're not going to have any of that. You say, what about Hurricane Katrina or Sandy? What about all those? Well, here's what I like to say to that. You say, what about, I mean, that, that's a lot. I mean, really all that hurricane so I can have some flowers? No. But you ever watch, especially Hurricane Harvey, I was watching that one, and all, you ever see people, we're in a day and age where there's so much division. There's so much politically uh, uh, you know, educationally, I mean, everything. There, there, there's the division. When Hurricane Harvey hit, do you see these people just like jumping together, hopping on top of cars, pulling people out? It brought what? Unity, right? It brought something. It, it brought people together. There's pictures of cops and waiters sleeping because they've been up for 48 hours, soaking wet because they're pulling people out of cars. They're saving pets uh, off of roofs. I mean, 
it's amazing. And sometimes I believe God purposely will put a storm in our life. You know, maybe it's that little one, right? It's just so that, you know, uh, just like a storm brings uh, uh, May flowers and God just wants to kind of uh, bring something. He wants fruit to bear from your life. He wants you to learn some things. But maybe sometimes uh, God, he's just trying to bring you closer to him. Maybe God's just trying to, he's trying to whack you upside the head and put this storm in your life because he says, hey, you know, they said they were at with all hope was lost. Listen, if you're in Christ Jesus, Christ is your savior, all hope is never lost. You have hope in Christ. But what happens sometimes is we get so embodied in ourselves and everything that we do that we get to a point, all hope is lost. And then God's like, hello, I'm here. You know, we have a hope, by the way. If you're, if you're lost tonight and you say, I don't know what it means to be saved and all this lingo, please, I'd love to show you from the scripture, Pastor Justin, any of the ladies here, any of the guys here would love to show you from the Bible how you can be saved. But if you're in Christ tonight, listen, you always have that hope. You always have that. He's right beside you in that storm. Listen, God was with Paul, and that's why Paul could calmly get up in the middle of a typhoon, hurricane, nor'easter, whatever you want to call it. He could sit there and say, guess what? Uh, it's all good. I believe God. You see, we have to claim that promise. Storms are inevitable. They happen to everybody. But how we approach it, whether it's self-inflicted or, it's, or, or God ordained it, it's purposeful. God says storms are inevitable. Their storms are purposeful. God brings a, does it so that we, he can bring us closer to him. But also this too, storms are survivable. <laughs> so yes, they're purposeful, but guess what? This too shall pass. You know, I like what he said in the Bible where it says, uh, we just read it, but it talked about, you know, the soft wind blew, and then not long, bef- not long after that, it came. If you read, the- we don't have time, I'm- and I'm done. When you read the rest of the chapter of chapter 27, guess what? As Paul said it, they got out of it. They made it. They got on dry land. I can imagine if they got on dry land, just started kissing that floor and everything. I was like, oh, thank you. you know, I made it to ground. I made it to dry land. I can imagine how they felt. Uh, but it came to pass. Listen, sometimes when we're in that storm of situation, like these, these men where they say they couldn't see the stars, they couldn't see the sun. And listen, to be honest with you, honestly, you could read the Bible and say, yeah, get, it, get over yourselves, guys. God's going to come through. But if you were in it, be honest, you would go crazy like me, right? I mean, we, we would go nuts. We like to sing, no, I believe God the whole time. I, uh, you're better than me then. I know I go crazy. I probably, I don't show a lot of emotion, so probably the hurricane inside while the hurricane's going on. Uh, but I, I would definitely say, we're going to die. We're going to die. I'm just leaving a secret to myself. We're okay, guys. And then go in my corner and suck my thumb and be like, oh, we're going we're gonna to die. We're going to die. But you have to understand that this too shall pass. It's survivable. It's, God's going to allow it to come to pass. But it's our attitudes going into it. It's our, our approach to the storm. Because, again, they're inevitable. They're going to happen. No, I'll get around it. No, you won't. Storms are inevitable. Whether they're a contrary, opposing wind, a soft little tap wind that is bothersome. It's, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, so, storms don't have to be this massive storm in your life where, it, you know, it's catastrophic. Sometimes financial can be that s- small storm, that small wind, soft wind, right? Financial stuff, sickness, right? Maybe that little soft wind. Maybe whatever it is, it can be that little, but it's still a wind, and it's still burdensome on you, and God has it purposefully in your life for a reason. But then maybe some of you are in that tempestuous wind. You're like, my world's done. It's crashing down. I can't see the sun, so to speak, figuratively speaking. I can't see the sun. I can't see the stars. I can't see anything. I, I feel like my world's crashing down. God does everything for a purpose, but understand the reason why we can say it's survivable that's, and, and all that is this, what Paul said. I 
believe God. I believe that he's going to take me through this. He said he's going to take me through this. He said that God, God's never, he, he never promised that the Christian life was going to be easy, but he did say he'd, go, he'd take us through it, that he'd help us through it. You know, I remember, uh, and I'll close with this and we're done. Uh, I remember uh, listening to a, uh, a preacher preach one time. I was in Maryland. I was at a conference, and it was a long, long time ago, five or uh, maybe seven, eight, nine, I don't know how many years ago. It was a long time ago. And uh, I remember this, uh, this man, uh, or actually there was uh, this preacher that came up, and he started talking about his kind of life story, and it was, it was a great message. And I remember uh, he was a pastor of a church, and, and he... Uh, pastor for many years, and one day his wife was stricken with cancer, and, uh, you know, he, they, of course, you know, prayed, and this was before the GoFundMe days, but they raised funds for, so financially she could sustain, you know, the chemotherapy and all the different things, radiation, all that stuff, and he prayed and prayed, and he had little boys and girls, and, you know, he prayed and prayed, and God didn't heal her. I mean, well, in a sense, yes, God healed her. She was without pain, but uh, the Lord took her, and he said he always felt in his heart uh, just you know, I can imagine what he felt, and uh, he had to go home and tell his, his little girls and little boys, you know, mommy's not coming home, and I can imagine, he just said the heartbreak they had, and how angry he was at God, and he said he had to preach, they gave him a month off, and he had to preach that one Sunday where he was coming back, and he said that whole month he was uh, going to preach a message on how God is unfair, <laughs> and really, just an angry message against God, and uh, and I remember, and he talked about it, and eventually he said he got to that message, and he said, hey, church, I was going to preach you a message that was going to be different. It was going to be opposed to everything you ever believed in. I was really angry at God, and I was going to preach a message on how I, God is unfair. But as I read the Bible for this last month, I couldn't find one time where he was unfair. So I couldn't find one time, and he preached the whole message. People got saved, but I love the illustration he used. He said he was in, he was in a, a Target of all places, and he said he had, uh, I don't know if any of you have done this, I have brothers and stuff, but I remember when we used to go to Target, we would, you know, those clothing racks that are circle, uh, and you kind of move them around, and we used to hide underneath them, and, you know, people, I've had people shopping, they open, and I'm like, you know, I scare them, you know, not on purpose, you know, they just were looking, and he said he was playing a game with his boys, and so he said he would take the whole shopping cart, put all his boys in there, and he would shove them, <laughs> shove them all in, inside there while their mom shopped for three hours and stuff like that, and so, uh, but he said there was a, a little girl and a dad, and he said, as he was shoving his boys into that, little, that clothing rack, he said he looked over, and he just said, you know, you ever just start staring at people? <laughs> because you hear him talk really loud, you're st- yeah, your people stare, right? Now, some of, no one's going to admit that, but uh, I, I stare a little bit sometimes. But uh, you want to know what's going on, especially if they're being loud. And so this little girl, you know, maybe two, three years old, maybe four, she's got this purse, and it's a big purse for her. And he said he looked over, and the girl was complaining to her dad. He's like, oh, dad, you know. Please take this purse off me. Please, you know. And the dad's like, you brought it. And he's like, why do I got to carry it, you know. And he said he's, meanwhile, his boys are going, mm, and they're shoved in the car. He's kind of like watching what the dad's going to do. You know, every parent wants to see what that parent's going to do, right. You want to see, are they going to spank him? Are they going to do this? Are they going to take that away from him, whatever. Uh, you know, uh, don't you dare take that purse, dad. You know, you guys show discipline, right. And so he's watching, and, and uh, he, you know, the girl, she's complaining and, and complaining. And he said, it goes on for a few minutes, and then finally, the dad said he did something so remarkable. He said he always remembers to this day. He said the dad walked over to his little girl. He said he picked up the purse. And immediately when he picked up the purse, he's like, oh, he's one of them kind of dads, right? Just, just gave in, right? Just gave in to the little girl, right? No, the dad took the purse. He placed it back on her shoulder. But then he swooped down and he picked her up. And he said 
when he saw that, he was reminded of the moment in his life where God, he had a huge storm. And he said, God never promises to take the storm from you, but will go through the storm with you. And he'll take you through whatever storm, whether it's that contrary wind, that soft wind, or it's just a hurricane, Katrina times 10. It doesn't matter. God says he'll pick us up and bring us through. And I don't know where you're at in your life today. I don't know whether that contrary wind, that opposing wind, you're going against the grain and it seems like everything around you is falling. Maybe it's a little burden. By, by the way, whether it's little or big, it's all matters in God's eyes. God never looks at it. Well, I'm going to deal with this person first because they have a bigger problem. You know, God takes all our problems, all our burdens, all our pains, all our sorrows and deals with them equally the same and most attentively as anyone else because he takes them as his own. Uh, but if you are in that, contra- that, that uh, tempestuous wind, that Arachlodon dinosaur kind of a name for a storm, if you have that in your life, God says, listen, it's inevitable, it's going to happen, but it's on purpose. I have a purpose for you. And guess what? This too shall pass. You read the end of chapter 27, they get out of it, right? Because Paul lives to still write on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, more books and more different things. God brings Paul, and not only them, but you know, he said, what did Paul promise them? He said that God told me that not only myself, he said, but everyone on this ship, all 276 prisoners, everybody else on here, guess what? You're all going to be saved as well. God says this too shall pass. Storms are inevitable. They're purposeful. But again, they're survivable. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.